tees off. Shoots it deflected. Right in. Peter Angelo save rebound. Stastny stopped by Peter Angelo. I don't believe that save. Even if Peter Stastny. He can't believe the save that Peter Angelo just made on him. As Frankie Sparkly. Now that maneuver there to stop and rob Peter Stastny. He should get 5-10 to 10 for that. Oh. Hello and welcome to another episode of Tendy Talk. I am your host, Joe better known as Washed Up Goalie on social media. This week I'm excited to welcome Kyle Conan of New Jack's Airbrushing and one half of the Between the Two Posts podcast to the show. But before I talk to Kyle, let's take a quick break. Hey everybody, Joe here for Anchor, the podcast provider. Here's all you really need to know. One, it's free, and two, Tendy Talk uses it. Anchor has features for your podcast like voicemail and listener support that's all available free through the Anchor app or through anchor.fm. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your episodes easily from your phone or computer. Then Anchor does the hard work of distributing your episode through all the major podcast distributors. That is after you've registered with them, of course. You can also make money for your podcast. I know I will try and do so, so that I can cover simple costs like website hosting. There's no minimum listenership required for you to start earning, so you can start right away. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. And now, back to the show. Kyle, thanks for joining me. For those listening, I got... Kyle Conan joining me. He's with um, New Jack's Airbrushing, but he's also one of uh, the two fellows on the Between Two Posts podcast as well. So thanks for joining me today. I appreciate it. Yeah, happy to be here. Always nice to mix in some more goalie talk. Yeah, you know, it, it was interesting. When I first started thinking about uh, a podcast, So it was really because there weren't any real goalie-specific podcasts out there. And then all of a sudden, Ingle Magazine had a podcast, and then Mike Bikentna had his Six Degrees podcast, and then you guys came out with yours, and I, I was sitting there going, well, is there room for another goalie podcast or not? And as I started talking to people, um, obviously the feeling amongst goalies is, yes, we want more. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. Um, so here we are. Um, so I, I want to dig into a little bit of your background, you know, from everything I've been able to find and from listening to your podcast, uh, you know, you're, you're a kid from Rhode Island. Uh, how did you discover the great game of hockey and why did you choose to put, uh, the pads on? Yeah. So, I mean, I definitely have a, a little more untraditional path. I actually started playing hockey when I was in Florida. So um, we ended up moving to Rhode Island later on. And then I think that got marked down as like where I was from on everything. But uh, okay. so I kind of grew up in Florida for the most part, uh, right around the lightning. So mm -hmm. uh, we went to those games. And the nice part was at that time, they weren't super big yet. So you could get tickets for like $10 a piece. And it would come with like a, a hot dog and a Coke. So um, we would go to the games and I I just fell in love with hockey, like right there. Um, they, you know, I, I couldn't exactly tell you what it was about goaltending, but I went straight into uh, being a goalie. I never even, I know a lot of guys start out as a player, but I just, from day one, I was a goalie. So never left. Yeah. So being from Florida, I'm going to guess you probably played some baseball 
were you a catcher too? Because I, I know that was my thing. I was something about the equipment. I loved it. And so when I played baseball before I started hockey, I was the catcher. And then when hockey came around, I was like, well, they, they have something to cover my face too. Let me, yeah. let me see that. <laughs> yeah, no, um, a little bit like, you know, T-ball when I was probably yeah. six or something. But I, I really, as soon as I kind of got older, like around eight, like the all, all I wanted to do 24-7 was just hockey whether it was street hockey or and roller hockey is actually pretty big in Florida. So mm-hmm. got into that, but I literally, n- no matter what season it was, it was hockey season. How hard was it to find ice time down in Florida in those days? I, I know they've got a few more rinks now, but I can't imagine there were too many of them. Yeah. Um, you know, back when I was first starting, I think we had to drive between like 45 minutes to an hour um, just for like the in-house league. Mm-hmm. And then eventually when it's, you start playing travel now you're traveling an hour to an hour and a half to to be on a little bit better of a team um now it's i mean it's unbelievable it's uh, a great place to really start the game of hockey if you're in florida we got i i think probably four more rinks uh that have been built now that i'm back down here and uh i i mean three of them are within 15 minutes of my house so it's uh it's definitely grown a lot and it's awesome to see the the game really taking off Yep, absolutely. And I, I think it probably helps that you're starting to see some more uh, northerners move down to Florida and they, they still want to see that game or play beer league, even though they're they're older like myself. Um, so t- take me a little bit through your playing days. You know, I, I know from listening to uh, your podcasts, you know, you were able to play at a fairly, you know, higher level than most get to play. How, how did you get there? Yeah. So, I mean, I think partially was, uh, just my love for the game kind of allowed myself to just continually get better. And for me, I never felt like I had to, it never felt like work. You know, I I think a lot of times some guys have trouble with putting in the extra work, but for me, like, I just loved being on the ice. Like I would, I'd go to practice 30 minutes early and stay until I couldn't even skate anymore, just taking breakaways at the end or messing around. So I just loved being on the ice at all times, but, um, I actually, I, so I went to prep school, uh, my freshman year of high school, I moved out, uh, like away from home. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that was really awesome just for the experience of really maturing and kind of being able to do everything on your own and also just focusing on hockey and school at the same time. There's not a ton of other distractions, um, that I might've had if I went to, um, you know, a high school in Florida or somewhere else. So, um, that was, was, a, was hockey one of the driving forces to going to prep school or was it more for the academics? I think it was, um, in my mind, it was definitely all for <laughs> hockey, but I think, uh, my parents definitely, it's pretty appealing to, to have that kind of on your resume in terms mm-hmm. of, you know, trying to get into a better college or a scholarship from college. It, uh, it definitely was a good path, um, academically as well. Absolutely. And and from there, you know, where, where did you go after uh, high school, you know, to continue your playing career? Yeah, so um, I'm actually a first generation hockey player, as I'll say. My parents, uh, they weren't hockey players growing up. So a lot of it was just kind of learning the ropes mm-hmm. for the first time. So uh, to them, like junior hockey was a foreign concept like that wasn't uh on the tables even going into prep school it was like okay if you go to prep school you're still going straight to college after so right um I think 
you know, hockey, you see a lot, like it, every kid's kind of on their own uh, time clock. Like no one has the exact same path. And uh, I actually repeated my junior year in prep school. So I was in prep school an extra year there. And then uh, I ended up going to play juniors my first year in uh, Topeka, Kansas, in the Nall. And then uh, I was down in Atlanta as well, kind of going back and forth my first year, which, um, you know, there's a lot that goes into it. And uh, for those who haven't really went the junior route, I mean, I didn't end up in Topeka or Atlanta. Like there was probably 10 different camps you go to and you fly to and it's just uh it's it's a lot of work so <laughs> yep absolutely um in fact one of my former teammates is the gm and coach of the st louis junior blues okay. in the na3 so i i follow him and see everything that goes into it at least from his side and yeah it, there's a lot more to it than people think it and, and um I, I think when you realize that you appreciate it a little bit more Oh, for sure. I, uh, I definitely had no idea what I was getting into that first year. And, <laughs> you know, after a while, I think, um, it starts to, you just get more comfortable with the whole process. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's, I think the sooner, uh, as a, as a goaltender, you understand that, you know, you can only control what you can control. That's the best thing for you, you know, just go out and wherever level you're at, wherever you're playing, Mm-hmm. whatever state, whatever league, just go out and play your best. And that's really all you can do. Absolutely. That that was a, uh, a hang up I had when I first started playing beer leagues. I played um, college hockey. I was a division three JV backup, uh, but I, I was still used to that higher level of competition. Then I got into the beer league and I'm expecting things to happen and it wasn't happening and I was getting upset. And then finally I, I had that realization like, Hey, I don't have control over that. So why am I getting upset about it? And it it was interesting how it changed uh, my enjoyment of those games. Even if I did get lit up that night, I just went, Hey, I played pretty good and I I can't be upset with the way I played. I did what I could. And uh, yeah, it's crazy how it changes. So you played some junior hockey and you know, I, the old saying, all, all roads lead to the beer league, even oh, for yeah. the NHL guys, Absolutely. you know, <laughs> after your competitive playing days, you've decided to make your way back to Clearwater, Florida. Uh, are, how often are, are you getting on the ice and what's the beer league scene like <laughs> in Clearwater? Um, Believe it or not, I, I probably skate just as much now as I, as I did when I was playing any level competitively. Um, mm-hmm. There's a, like I said, there's a lot of ranks right around here and um beer league is huge i mean beer beer league might be bigger than the youth leagues are it's uh it's pretty impressive so um i try to skate probably three three times a week are kind of like games like Mm -hmm. in a in an official league and then i'll do uh i also coach down here a little bit so i count that as getting on the ice and still a workout even shooting pucks on on the little guys that's still a workout yeah. So. yeah and if you're anything like me when I coach you count how many goals you put past those goalies too those oh count. yeah so, <laughs> it, I always start out I start out trying to be nice and then I don't know kids kids these days they get they get too much confidence and you got to let them know where they stand so yeah so, pick up the pace. sometimes you got to pull the Bobby Hall and buzz the tower with one of them uh, yeah. <laughs> for sure yeah, uh, I, I was uh, never a great chat when I was coaching. So my goalies knew if I hit them in the head, it was not on purpose. 
because if I was trying to hit him in the head, it probably went out of the rink. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so what age level are you coaching? That That's always fun to do. Yeah. So it's, it's crazy now. Um, so they're uh, between 08s and 2012. So um, it's a pretty big range. Yep. And, uh, you know, obviously it's always fun to be around kids that age because you know they just they just love the sport so much at, at that age and um it always it's pretty refreshing to to be around it mm-hmm. it's an interesting age group too because you're starting to hear more of uh the discussion are we giving these kids too much technical direction at that age or should we really be more of a mental coach for them and just make sure they understand edge work at that age uh because we've seen some of these kids uh you know they're great skaters and they're great technically but when they get into a game they don't know how to react and, exactly um you know but then you look at uh you know goalies like us where we probably didn't have goalie coaches when we were younger and we just had to figure out how to stop the puck and you're starting to see with a lot of these Russian goalies they don't have the goalie coaches at the younger ages so they figure it out and then when they get to kind of that middle school age then they get the the technical side of it. It goes, yeah. Oh, okay. That, that's how it works out. So I I've had fun working with younger goalies, you know, going in with that uh, thought process. Even before it was being discussed, I just thought, Hey, I, these kids got about a 10 second attention span. Oh, I don't yeah. want to give them too much. I think, and I think it that's, uh, out. <laughs> one of the, the biggest mistakes a lot of goalie coaches will do with younger kids is over coaching. Cause mm-hmm. like you said, if, if you give them three things you know that just focus on one like if you can fix one thing in in that week of practice you know you did your job and they're not feeling stressed you know they're still having fun and getting to stop the puck and hang out with their friends so at the end of the day you know they're not it's not a job for them no it shouldn't be so no Um, and, and I think that's even a great um philosophy in coaching with older goalies too is focus on the one thing you can fix. And once you do that, move on to the next thing. Cause exactly. the younger kid, it's going to take them maybe that whole week. Yeah. But a goalie like myself, when I was playing competitively, a coach could tell me to do something by the end of the practice, I've got that done. So now the next day we can work on something else. Exactly. You know, and otherwise, you know, we get enough pucks to the head. We don't need more stuff clouding up our thoughts. <laughs> yeah. so, somewhere along the way of you playing hockey, you discovered this talent that you, you're artistic. Um, when did, when did you start drawing and realize, Hey, you know, I'm pretty good at this. Yeah. It's uh so I actually, I was into art before I even was into hockey, um, mm-hmm. just in terms of doodling and in, in class and, you know, doing arts and crafts on the side. Mm-hmm. So when I started playing uh, hockey, like I mentioned, I went right into goalie. And the first thing, obviously, every little goalie <laughs> notices is the, the pros always have those cool paint jobs. Yeah. So I think that was on my mind uh, from day one was I wanted a, a painted helmet. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it started off with uh, probably a, a decal set or some stickers and then uh, – couple years in after my parents realized I'm kind of serious into it they uh they got me a a custom painted mask and then I remember the next season I I was like all right I'm ready for my next paint job you know I (laughs) I was probably nine years old and uh I'm like okay like what's my paint job this year like oh no like 
that's your that's your paint job for the next like four years yeah until you, you know, get a like, new bucket yeah oh yeah I'm, but i'm like you know <laughs> lundquist just got his second mask of the year where's mine so yeah. um i think i ended up uh like sanding it down myself and kind of trying to paint my own mask uh within a year of getting it custom painted which they weren't too happy about but, i was uh, gonna say what, what did mom and dad think when they walked in the uh, room and see you taking the sanding pad to your mask well i think <laughs> there was definitely some back and forth going into it and i don't think they ever budged and then eventually they're just like you know what it's your helmet if you really want to do it then go ahead but we're not we're not getting it redone so that mm-hmm. was the they made sure i knew that and uh you know i the first one I, I was pretty happy like we they went out uh i got like a little starter airbrush kit and i tried to do my own thing and um i mean looking back it's not too bad for my first time but obviously uh there's been a lot of progress <laughs> yeah well i just like the position practice makes perfect so you know learning how to prep a mask and properly finish it how how did you learn that you know at that young age yeah so it's actually uh i, I was really fortunate there was uh an auto body shop um that my parents just happened to take their cars to to get fixed and uh i don't know they started talking to the guy and he he also had a pretty large uh business like custom painting cars and, and mm-hmm. that stuff so um it started out with him just kind of giving me tips of, you know, how to, how to paint with the airbrush and how to use some tape and pinstripe and all that. And then he, uh, he was super generous and offered to do the clear coating, um, for me, which was really made the product a lot better. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, he just took me in kind of, and, you know, I'd hang out in the shop and he'd show me how to use the scuff pads and make sure it was the back tape was all, done upright and um just an unbelievable guy and he, he actually ended up passing um a couple months ago so that was really sad to hear that news yeah. but um i i mean really he's a really large part of everything that uh i have now today it's uh he really made a big difference that's awesome i, I think it's one of those things not, not just in you know painting masks or even hockey it's you know when there's somebody willing to help you like that, you know, kids have to realize that it's important to um, understand how special that is because not everybody's willing to take that time and take people under their wings. And it's, it's, uh, it's really neat when people do. Oh, absolutely. Like I said, I would, I would have no idea where to start with half of that stuff. So, and uh, you know, he never asked for a dime. He just, he just enjoyed to kind of, help people out and that was just who he was so well he saw uh, somebody that was interested and you were going to listen <laughs> yeah yeah um <laughs> uh, as you've learned the craft of painting glowy masks what's been the most difficult thing to master or you know even just figure out along the way oh, man that's that's a tough one because i think really for me it's it's kind of just a personal challenge of always trying to kind of push the boundaries of uh where where the style is going in them and you know the the basics of airbrushing you kind of get down after a few years and now like i don't know maybe every year i'll kind of add a new little tool to the to the toolbox of 
different ways to paint. But for the most part, I'd say the biggest kind of everyday challenge is when you're painting, you know, 50 or 60 masks a summer, you have to continually think of new, you don't want them to all look the exact same. So you're yeah. trying to tweak some things and you know, it's, it's hard. Cause so for example, when I'll do a school order, if they'll send you four to six helmets with the men's and the women's team, they all have the exact same colors, logos. It's like, it's that's a challenge to really try to make them look different when you get a school order like that how much input does the goalie have on it or does the school just say do your thing so the goalies actually have a pretty big input they uh i'd say they they pretty much run the show um it's a it's typically pretty similar to um any other mask order they'll come in say what they want we design it and then the only kind of headache in the that comes into it is the school has to approve it. Uh Um, Some schools are better than others, but you know, there's, there's a couple out there that, you know, you're going to have to go through three or four uh, (laughs) versions of the design before it finally gets approved. So, yeah. Now you mentioned something about, you know, the, the, the style of the designs. And I had this discussion with Todd Miska a number of years ago, the uh, mass painter for Kipper soft and Eddie Balfour and, uh, th- those are probably the two biggest, re- most recognizable masks he's done. Um, but we were talking about a lot of newer masks today. They have so much going on that if you're sitting in the stands, you can't really tell what's on there. And when you go back to the 80s and the 90s, th- there was this clean look to masks. Yeah. What What are your thoughts and feelings on, you know, the, the simple, clean uh, look versus I'll call it the Dave art look where there's so much going on where it's, it's a beautiful piece of art, but you have to be on top of it or kind of what you're starting to see now where it's, I think a nice balance where you can tell what the design is from the stands, but there's some hidden Easter eggs when, when you're up close, which one of those design, you know, styles would you say is your favorite? Not from a painting standpoint, but from a viewing standpoint. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's man, it's tough. Obviously, I know a lot of people do like the classic and, you know, they think the newer stuff is cluttered, but a, a big thing I'm seeing is obviously the game is so much different from back in the day where maybe the only time you would have seen that mask is from the stands. Mm-hmm. Where now, you know, we have the cameras are you get the close up of Vasilevsky staring down at the face off and you can really see all the detail right. that's in his mask and all those hidden elements. So I do think, you know, you got to have a a readable design from the stands and a distance and it can't be completely cluttered. But uh, I I do really love some of the new techniques too that have been introduced and uh, having those hidden elements and really making it yours. Because at the end of the day, you know, you're looking at your mask all the time from right up close a lot more than someone is from uh, the stands. And especially for, we'll even say like in the beer leagues, uh, you know, how many people are in those stands that are going to look at your mask compared to if, if the people seen it are probably going to be closer up to you. So wait um, a minute, there's supposed to be people in the stands at my games. Oh, well that, <laughs> hey, that's only because it's only because of the coronavirus right now. Otherwise it'd be sold yeah. out. Yeah. Um, but I, I agree. I, I love the, um, the detail that we're seeing on some of these masks and we've seen some, I don't want to say retreads, but, um, modern takes on some of the classic masks and they've been able to add that detail. And I, I, I think it's just been fantastic. 
Um, and, and I wonder some of the old great masks of, you know, my youth, you know, Patrick Waugh, Montreal Canadiens, if they were to do that today, what would it be like? Yeah. Um, we saw that his Colorado Avalanche one when he played in the um, Stadium Series alumni game and Dave Art, you know, recreated his old mask, but it had more of that detail yeah. and it just, it looked so much cooler. Even on TV, it looked so much cooler than the cleaner lines. Yeah. So I think, I think that's honestly probably been my favorite uh, style. If, if we'll kind of categorize it is like you mentioned the new take on those classic designs. I know it, if you look at Brodeur from his early career mm-hmm. to his last year with the devils, he has the same design, but the, the way that air rushing has just completely changed on goalie mass. I mean, he ha- it's just so much more uh, dimensional and there's shadowing and shading and little details. So to Absolutely. me, it's just, it's really cool to see those classic designs with a new spin on them. Yep. I, I wholeheartedly agree. I even look at the mask I had in high school and college. And I think if it were painted today, how much cooler would they look? Um, and I thought they were pretty cool back in the day and I still think they're cool, but that's for sentimental reasons. Um, when a goalie comes to you to get a mask painted, uh, what do you wish they knew more about uh, for the whole process to maybe make life a little bit easier on you? Um, you know, obviously I, I'd say there's two kinds of people that come to get a mask painted. Uh, it's someone who knows exactly what they want, like centimeter for centimeter, how the mask (laughs) is going to lay out. And then someone who has absolutely no idea where we're even going to begin to paint this mask. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think both have their challenges. So for the people who aren't super particular, I think just kind of having a, a better understanding of, uh, you know, other designs to reference and that I personally prefer those to kind of have a little bit more artistic freedom. And if they can just kind of guide me a little bit, then mm-hmm. maybe we can take it over from there and, and get them what they're looking for. Um, and then for the people who are super specific, uh, you know, just understanding that every mask is going to be a little bit different, whether it's, you know, the, the model you bought might have a, a clip somewhere where you want to put someone's face. And it's like, you know, it's, we got to have a little bit of movement to change it up and make it look right. uh, the best we can. It's funny you say that because I saw a great mask this week where it was paying tribute to the, uh, an older bureau league goalie. It was paying tribute to his favorite goalies and Eddie Belfort was on the side of one, but almost all of his great iconic original Eagle mask, was missing because it fell right over an ear hole and I'm going (laughs) just move it that much and you get the best part of that image you know (laughs) it was like oh you know but but you saying that led me into the next question I wanted to ask is you know there's so many different mask models out there uh what's your favorite one to work with for those those reasons you know whether it be ear hole placements, clip placements, stuff like that. There's got to be one that either you love to work with or one that you're just like, ah, not one of these again. Yeah. (laughs) So I think um, a lot of the bigger companies are are pretty similar in terms of uh, the space you're going to have to paint. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the, the bigger headache tends to come in the prep side when you have to 
take them apart and, and back tape and some companies don't have removable padding. Um, in terms of a stock mask, uh, the, the Bowers uh, enemies or the profiles are really good. Obviously, I don't know if you've seen them up close, but yeah. all the padding is screws out. So it's super easy to disassemble. You just pop off all the screws, padding comes right out, you back tape it, give it a mm -hmm. sand base coat and you're ready to airbrush. Whereas, um, you know, CCM mass, the padding doesn't come out. So you got to, those are a headache. You got to really tape around all the padding and uh, tape over some of the screws that don't come out. And you always have to worry about if you get paint or sand dust in there, uh, you know, it's hard to get the screws back in. So I think the prep side has more of a factor from my standpoint mm -hmm. of the painting process. Um, when, when a goalie reaches out to you and they tell you what kind of mask they have, you know, does that factor into possibly the costs you quote them because of the prep time? Ah, oh, man, you know, I don't, I don't, not directly, maybe subconsciously <laughs> in the back of my head. I'm like, oh man, I'll, you know, and I'll, I'll maybe quote a little bit higher, but uh, it's not like a specific markup. If okay. CCM or something like that. Yep. Um, if, if you're like me coming in with a Bauer master, you're going, oh, it's going to just take a few minutes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I will say, well, I'm, I'm obviously a little bit Vaughn biased, but absolutely uh, Pro, pros choice does a phenomenal job. And it's always nice getting those because he'll, he'll send them uh, with no padding, no screw, like completely disassembled and already prepped. So oh, nice. it's basically, as soon as I get it, I can just start base coating. It's uh, that's, those are always a dream. Yeah. I, I can imagine it's like getting a car in the body shop that is all ready to go. Um, yeah. you know, now you mentioned that connection with Vaughn. Um, how, how did that start up? So, uh, I was actually, I think I was talking with Ev about, about it the other day. I was pretty young when I first met them. And then, uh, in high school, I just kind of always kept in touch and, um, I interned with them one summer I've always loved goalie gear. So just mm -hmm. being able to kind of throw my ideas around and I mean, 90% of them probably got thrown away, but even if the 10% of them went into developing a pad, that was just super cool for me, especially at a young age. Um, and then in high school uh, for my senior capstone project, I, uh, I did a, a little collaboration with them in designing a goalie pad. So I've always kind of loved that side of it and mm -hmm. um, made friends with the Everett and Scotty Hughes there so it's uh you know like I I said kind of it all revolves around I just love the game of hockey and um, whether it's painting playing or doing something with gear I just uh it's something I want to be around I I hear you there so you know I I'm a Vaughn guy too um although I've been wearing the same set for 20 years now that's the quality uh, right there <laughs> exactly and it's funny you say that because uh it was about two three years ago I was at the Let's Play Hockey Expo visiting the Vaughn booth with my boy and he was trying on uh Goldberg's pads from the movie and Mike Vaughn sitting there with Andy Moog and I was looking at the newest set they had at the time and Moog's going oh I bet you want a pair I bet you want that set and I said I do but I got this old set I bought back in 1999 that just you know it's in good condition and yeah. Moog's going oh you, you don't want to be saying that in front of Mike and Mike was sitting there smiling and he goes no, that that's what I like to hear. I like to hear the quality of our oh yeah our stuff so, that it it holds up. 
for, for those who don't know Mike, I think the simplest way to put it, whether it's good or bad, is he's not as much as a businessman as he is just <laughs> a, a fan of his own product. Like he, I don't think he care. like he he's doesn't care if, if he makes less money because his pad lasts 20 years. Mm-hmm. He wants to build the best product there is. And, uh, you know, obviously uh, there's always going to be a couple bumps in the road and more headaches that come along with with uh trying to keep up with the demand of what it takes to build that in today's Mm -hmm. uh age and and still be competitive price wise but um you know at the end of the day i i truly think von pad's quality is just above and beyond anything else you know if you ask me because i go to the expo every year just to look at the goal equipment and see what's new and year after year Vaughn and Brian's their quality stays top notch and everybody else's it just feels like has gone down um some a lot more than others but Vaughn those two you know and I think part of it is they're still handmade here in North America and there's something to that uh there's pride in the work that uh the folks at those plants put in and uh you know that they they take pride in it and that that's the biggest thing um so the, the question with Vaughn equipment for me then is, um, you know, what's been your favorite set that you've had from them over the years? Oh, wow. I, I'll have to dig out the art. <laughs> I'll have to send you some of them. I've, I mean, like I said, ever since uh, like freshman year of high school, I've been pretty close with them. So I've always tried to push them as much as possible to kind of get me that something that no one else might have. So, yeah. Um, I, I'm, I wear more of a stock pad now, actually. I, I love the new stuff, but uh, at first I was super picky and I uh, my favorite goalie was always Jonathan Quick. So I wanted okay. all, all those uh, specs done on the pads, which for them is probably a nightmare to build. But, <laughs> uh, you know, I one of my favorite sets was uh, my freshman year. I got uh, a set of the V4 7600s 7, with the V2 leg channel. Okay. Um, but then I swapped out all the, the leather straps for uh, the Velcro, which was before uh, even other companies had started doing Velcro. I think that was just something I, I was always trying to think like, you know, how, I, Brian's always did it. But uh, mm-hmm. this was before Bauer and um, CCM and all them had done it and Vaughn, obviously. So, um, you know, I was trying to think of all the ways I could just make the pad lighter and uh, fortunately they kind of gave in and you know, we got a full Velcro set up on a V4 pad when it was just coming out. And, uh, that was pretty, pretty sweet. And then I did a custom graphic with the, the three tiers on a, on a vintage pad. So the below the knee rolls was black, the knee rolls were all white and then the top was orange. Okay. So, uh, they were, they were pretty flashy. One of my buddies at uh Devon air goaltending up here in Minnesota had a, uh, Richter tribute set. Oh the, yeah. Last year. I, think I they, saw those. Oh, they're just a gorgeous looking. Absolutely. Set. Yeah. They, I, I like that Vaughn is dipping their toe in the custom side of things, but they're not, they're not going full on Brian's where you can get whatever you want. They want it to still kind of have that Vaughn touch. I, I like that. And if I ever get a new set, I've got in mind what I want to do to kind of have that retro look to it still. Um, I might even ask for the two 
the two straps that go under my skate just so that I, I feel <laughs> like it's the old pad that I'm still yeah. using. I, I was uh, at a skate. I showed up to a beer league game last summer early and the high school team that was practicing needed a goalie. So their coach said, Hey, you want to come out and give a few extra shots? And so I said, yeah, sure. So I put the stuff on, you know, between the drills, the, the other goalie sitting next to me, he kind of looks behind at the back of my pads. He goes, what are all those leather straps for? And why do you have two going under your skate? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, you know, and that's when I realized my pads were older than every kid on the ice. Yeah. Uh, so th- then I had a little fun with it and we were scrimmaging and I, I uh, stacked the pads on a two on one and stopped <laughs> the kid and the, the puck came right out to him. He could have easily put it in, but he just stops and he looks at his coach. He's like, I've never seen that before. How yeah, I- he's like, how, how do I react to that? And it's like, well, you, <laughs> take the puck and you put it in the net you don't stop but it was just they, probably, they don't even know what to do when you throw that at them yeah they they, they hadn't seen that before it was kind of funny I, <laughs> I was hoping I could have gotten a good quick shot on the ice and I could have broke out the old skate save by showing the back end of the leg but oh yeah that that didn't happen that day um so you know as I mentioned when we started you're also on the between two post podcasts with Everett um how did you guys come up with that idea for the podcast and how did you guys convince Vaughn to, you know, kind of be the sponsor of the show or at least put their name on it? <laughs> yeah. So, um, I think Ev kind of did most of the groundwork for that. It, it was probably a year in the, in the making of, he's always kind of said, Oh, it'd be cool to do a goalie podcast. And, um, obviously we were both pretty busy with, our own stuff and mm-hmm. um ev ev actually runs most of the the social media and all the any promotional video or mm-hmm. product release kind of stuff he's he's behind so um i think it was just kind of an idea to kind of bring a little another element to vaughn hockey um you know more obviously content. there's more co- exactly it's just uh, a cool little content piece and um i think it's something a little different that some of the bigger companies don't really have the time to do. And um, it's just kind of a little show we got going. We can talk to some Vaughn goalies that are in the NHL and just kind mm-hmm. of talk, talk some hockey, talk some life. And uh, I, it's been a lot of fun and hopefully, hopefully the listeners like it. Yeah. Well, I've enjoyed it. Um, that That's for sure. It's, it's also fun just to hear the, uh, the different stories from the road that the, the goalies have been sharing because, um, you know, when the competitive playing days are over, that's what you miss. It's not so much the game and the final score. It's, it's the time in the locker room. It's the, uh, uh, different hijinks with the, the teammates that that's what you miss. And I, I think that's why compared to any other sport, you know, hockey has the beer league, you know, yeah, baseball, you get the softball league and, but hockey is just a different beast. And I think it's because we're able to keep that going in some little way. Yeah. I think you nailed it on the head with that. It's just, you know, the best times I think from anyone you ask, whether they, they played, uh, you know, high school hockey or in the NHL, I mean, Mm -hmm. your favorite parts probably around the guys in the room or, girls in the room if you're a female out there obviously trying to grow that side of the game um it's just friendships you make through it so um I've been super fortunate to 
Um, obviously every year when you're on a different team around different people, you just make friends basically for life and, you know, keep in contact with them all the time. And, um, like you mentioned, you just, you miss it. If, if you're not playing beer league, you know, you just want to have that atmosphere back. Yeah. Well, and it's funny because thanks to social media, we're able to stay connected with so many other people and there's cities where I know I've got teammates or if, if I visited that city and I let them know ahead of time, Hey, I'm coming to town. You want to get a beer? The answer would absolutely be yes. Where yeah. there's classmates from high school and college where if I knew I was going to be in their town and said, Hey, you want to get a beer? They would kind of go, huh? I got to look at the schedule. I got to see what's going on. But every single teammate I know, doesn't matter how well we got along. They would absolutely say yes. Oh uh, yeah. It's, it's a different relationship. <laughs> absolutely. And it's, it's, it's pretty interesting. Cause I was actually just, uh, driving through um, from North Carolina back to Florida over the, the holiday weekend. So I went through Atlanta. So I texted my billets. I said, Hey guys, you know, just be passing through and ended up staying there for like two days, just hanging out. And they have two boys. So seeing, seeing them again, and it just brought <laughs> back all the memories. And uh, they said like, we, you know, we, we all just picked up right where we left off. It was like, you know, it was like I went home for the weekend and came right back, but it had been a couple of years. So yeah. Uh, the relationships you make through hockey are unlike anything else. Yeah. Um, now, before I forget to ask, I, I got to bring it up because uh, on more than one podcast now, uh, the city of Fort Myers has come up <laughs> and I've, I've been to Fort Myers and a certain establishment there keeps coming up. Uh, the, the Lonnie Kai, the infamous Lonnie Kai. And I have been there and it's an interesting place. I, I wholeheartedly agree, but there are better places <laughs> in Fort Myers. Uh, what is it about that place that people just love? I, so here's what I think. <laughs> I've actually, I've never been there. Okay. So this, this is, Ev has a passion for it. Uh, Cam Johnson obviously loves it. He, yep. he brought it up multiple times. A couple other guys who have been down there. Uh, I don't remember who else was there, but almost anyone who has been to Fort Myers seems to bring it up. Um, from what I've heard is it is financially uh, friendly to your wallet. So I think it's, it's more so for the guys who are looking to just uh, <laughs> not spend a lot of money and have a good Florida uh, experience there. So I'm, yes. I'm not a fan of, I'm a little more, I'd prefer a little nicer place, a little higher end if, if even if it means paying a little bit more for the drinks. Yeah. Um, well, if, if you ever do go to Fort Myers, just go a little further south on the island to the Junk Canoe. Um, it's right on the beach and it's great. <laughs> oh, there's, yeah, I, I've been to Fort Myers quite a bit. And okay. I, like I said, I've never been to the Lani Kai. So yes, um, there's plenty of other places to go and plenty of beautiful places there. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'll have to check it out one day, I guess. And yeah. see uh, what it's like in person. We were there once and it was uh, last spring. We went with friends that have a place down there and um, they even said the Lani Kai's nothing special, but it has a great view at sunset from their their uh, restaurant bar at, at the top. So that, that was really the only reason we went up there was to watch the sunset. And yeah. th then it was a quick jaunt over to the airport to catch our flight home. Yeah. <laughs> but that had it, not been for that, we probably would have bypassed it. Yeah. Um, now, one of the things I'm trying to do with every episode is I 
have a list of about 10 rapid fire questions I like to ask people just to kind of get their thoughts on uh, some of the fun parts of the game. So the, the first one is the craziest coaching moment you've had from your playing days. It could be a oh, coach man. going crazy on the bench. I'll have Mike Keenan throwing sticks on the ice to, uh, you know, something in the locker room. What's the craziest thing you've I mean, uh, witnessed? <laughs> this could, this could go on for hours. I probably have one for each team. Um, <laughs> Honestly, I might have to give a couple here. I mean, one that Go comes to it. mind is uh, my my last year of junior. Um, I had a coach who would not accept losing at all. <laughs> like he expected us to go undefeated in the season, and we we had a very good team. I think up to Thanksgiving break, uh, we hadn't lost, and we were playing the day before Thanksgiving. I had a flight booked. Uh, I have family in Minnesota. My grandparents live there. So I had a flight book to Minnesota the next morning and we're playing and uh, it's, it's one, one going into the third period. And so we're in the locker room and he, he comes in, he kicks like the garbage can starts throwing all the sticks. And he, he tells us that if we don't win this game, he's canceling our Thanksgiving break. No one's leaving. <laughs> we're going to bag skate at like the whole day on Thanksgiving day. So obviously like uh, it was just nuts. Like, I don't, I don't know if people responded well, but I mean, at that point for me, the only thing going through my head was like, I'm, I'm going on the flight either yeah. way. I don't see grandma and grandpa. <laughs> if I, Oh yeah. If I give up five goals in the third period and we end up losing, I don't care. I'm still going on the flight. You're not canceling Thanksgiving. Um, we ended up, it actually went to OT. So then he comes in again in between does kind of the same thing. We ended up fortunately winning. Uh, cause I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know if I would have been kicked off the team or what, cause I was, like I said, I was going on the flight. Um, but then fast forward another month or so to Christmas, same thing happens. <laughs> Except this time, the be- the best part was they, uh, they did up the room. We had a, like kind of equipment managers and they would kind of make it holiday homey since mm-hmm. we all lived away from home. And so they put like a Christmas tree and Christmas lights in our locker room. Well, <laughs> he came in and I think, I think we were losing. So he comes in and he punts the Christmas tree and, uh, and rips down the Christmas lights. But you could tell like when he kicked the tree, it was a real tree. So I, like he was hurting. I'm pretty sure he broke his foot, but he was like trying to keep his face, but he was clearly in pain. So he, uh, he ended up kicking the tree and threatening to cancel Christmas and all that. And it was just, uh, we ended up losing that one too, but, um, I think he he ended up letting us still have Christmas, but uh, just some crazy stuff that, you know, uh, that's probably up there with some of the crazy stories. So you mentioned grandma and grandpa live in Minnesota. Where about Minnesota are they? I don't know if you've heard of it, but they're in a town called Glencoe. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Well, I I live up here in Minnesota, so. Yeah. uh, Yes, I've heard of it. It's it's, a little more rural than it's very rural. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's out there. Um, yeah. but, uh, my brother actually played high school hockey in, uh, Eden Prairie. Okay. For a year. Or so good program. I'm, I'm, there. Yeah. Pretty familiar with some of, uh, Minnesota. Not, not all of it, but, um, it's definitely a great hockey state. Just a little, little too cold for my life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's not that bad half the year. <laughs> um, well, the s- summers are beautiful yeah i love the lake days there 
Yeah, it's we've really looked out this year um, that we've had a great summer considering COVID. Um, We've spent a little bit more time at my in-laws cabin up in northern Minnesota this year. But if you can believe it, uh, I'm starting to notice some of the leaves are already changing. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm not and, surprised it's getting there. Well, it, this so, is hey. a little early, but uh, a lot of people are going, I hope we're in for a long fall and not an early winter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but an early winter would just be on par for 2020. Oh, uh, yeah. But if it gets cold sooner, that just means more outdoor skating. Uh, we have a pond at the end of the road, uh, we go to, and my wife and I are talking about possibly doing a backyard rink this year too. So we'll see, we'll see. I I actually have a landscaper coming over in the next two weeks to do, uh, some grading to make sure the yard is nice and flat if needed. Yeah, that's Um, awesome. So your favorite goalie mask of all time, you know, what's been the favorite one that you've seen, worn, painted? Oh man. (laughs) Hit me with some hard ones. So, <laughs> I mean, personally, like I said, I, I'm probably a little biased. So I've always loved Jonathan Quick. So I think yep. uh, his his original one that I Candy Air did uh, kind of circa 2010 to 2017-ish. Um, it stayed pretty consistent. I really loved that one. It mm-hmm. was really sharp, clean, and went with the design, uh, the team logos and design. Um, I appreciate that he's also stuck with the same design. You know, you see some of these goalies getting a new mask two, three times a year and the design completely changes. Yeah. He's kept it pretty, pretty steady. It's tough for me to, it's really hard for me to take sides kind of on anything. (laughs) But, um, you know, I think I did like when, you know, Broder had the same design from, his NHL debut to the day he retired, which is just cool to me. You have, yeah, it's custom and you get to choose what you want, but it's also recognizable. Like you have like your design. So but he found ways to update it and add exactly. detail to it. So, yeah. but I, I completely understand like a guy like Lundquist, it's gotta be hard to stay with something when you're, you're in a place like New York and you're getting mm-hmm. six designs a year and you know, maybe you want to just keep switching up. It's fun. Yeah. So, well, it's it's funny, Lundqvist has had so many really awesome masks, uh, you know, but at the end of the day, he's had that Lady Liberty kind of crown at the top. And then you look at the last great Ranger goalie, Mike Richter, just he wore a combo for a while. And then he went to that great Cheverly mask with the iconic paint job that he just yeah. never changed, you know. Exactly. So they, they went from one extreme to the other of a guy that never changed it to a guy that changes it uh about as often as he changes his suits well i think uh (laughs) i think the new trend is probably uh gonna be a lot more changing and uh you know just a new design every year yeah Yeah, there's not too many guys left who are sticking with like consistent i guess vasilevsky's kind of stuck with a consistent look um bobrovsky Mm -hmm. stays pretty consistent but um i'd say for the most part guys are really switching it up a lot I wonder with the uh, the new state of things, you know, because teams are the ones that typically pay for those masks. I wonder if teams are going to say, no, you're going to get one one mask for the whole year. We're not going to get you two or three um, with the, the new, you know, the 
the way uh, the financials may be different in the next year or two. That, that'll be interesting to see how it impacts goalies and how often they change their equipment. Because I know when I was growing up, you had guys that would wear the same set for the whole season. Uh, you know, now you get guys switching stuff out every couple of weeks. Yeah, I think uh, a big part of it is the way stuff is designed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we'll throw in a guy like Lundquist or guys in Bauer, the, the way the pad is d- designed to perform is kind of that out of the box uh, construction. Like is once it starts to soften up and break down, those guys want a new one right away. So yeah, um, I think in terms of pads, I don't think they're going to really limit it because at the end of the day, they, if you're paying a guy 10 million to play goal, you want him to, to play his best. If, yeah. if that means buying him another set of pads for a couple grand, I think you're going to do it. So, yep. yeah. um, for sure. So, so th- this one, I kind of smile as I'm about to ask the question, cause I've heard you guys talk about different rinks on your podcast. What's been your favorite rink to play at? Uh, I've, I've been pretty fortunate. I've gotten to skate at, uh, Emily arena in Tampa a couple times. Um, uh, so that, that ice is unbelievable and it's a, just a really cool place to play. So, uh, I don't know if that counts. Absolutely. But, uh, I've always loved that in terms of prep school days, there's always some beautiful ranks. It's crazy to see what, what these high schools have for a budget. I mean, some of them are literally like NHL ranks in high school. Yep. So, and, and completely like privately owned by the school. Like you can hop on the ice whenever you want. It's, it's your ice. So uh, that's been pretty sweet. Um, you know, I, I feel like you remember the bad ones more than the good ones. Yeah. At the same time though, some of those bad ones were some of the favorites to skate at because of the character. I, I remember there was a rink. I grew up in Chicago and there was a place on the South side, St. Spectrum it had the smallest locker rooms that smelt terrible. Um, It didn't have a Zamboni. It had an Olympia, which, you know, kids thought looked cool because it looked more like a car than a Zamboni. But I was a Zamboni driver and I look back and go, it didn't make very good ice. It it was just kind of a crap hole of an arena, but it was fun to play at because of that. And, you know, there was uh, the one guy, Jose, he was the, uh, the Zamboni driver. Everybody loved Jose and, you'd walk in and you wouldn't ask for a locker room key. You would just hold up number one or two for what locker, because he didn't speak English and none of us spoke Spanish, but we all, we knew how to communicate and he always had a smile on his face, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You remember those bad ones more than the good (laughs) ones sometimes. And whenever I think of the bad ones, that's the first one that comes to my mind. Yeah. Well, Um, I'll say probably the worst one. I don't think I've, I've brought it up because it wasn't uh, during any of my, like technically playing days but over summer I lived in Boston and um there's a rink out there uh it's called Hockey Town and for the if there's anyone out there listening who knows about <laughs> Hockey Town so there's no on on three quarters of the rink there's no glass it's uh because the, the rink is right up along the brick wall oh boy so it's uh there's boards and then it just goes to the um the brick wall except there's probably about a foot space in between the boards 
in the wall. So what they did is they put an angled plywood from the boards to the brick wall, but not like straight up, like almost a 45 degree <laughs> angle. It's like a pinball machine. So if the puck, you can't chip it because it hits the brick and comes like straight down. But yeah, if it did go up, it would bounce off, then hit the plywood and bounce out on the ice. You never knew where it was going. It was just, yeah. it's crazy. I remember the rinks. I, one of the rinks I skated at when I was a squirt, uh, still had chain link fence instead of glass. And that, that oh, was yeah. an interesting thing to learn to play off of when <laughs> you were a goalie. It's like, wait a minute. Um, so yeah, there, there are some interesting rinks out there. Um, next question is what's the, your favorite stick pattern model you've ever, you've used over your playing career? So I've always stayed with a pretty, uh, consistent curve. I've, I've liked the P31, uh, that Bauer has it's mm-hmm. just like a mid twist I think yeah warrior kind of uh use that one a little more sauce to it I uh I've always liked to play the puck and um I felt like that kind of gives me the best chance at uh or the most accuracy if I'm trying to hit someone with a pass or you know make a play behind the net so I've always liked that curve in terms of sticks I've always been a fan of uh of the Bauer's uh composites they're just they're really good the only downside is obviously the price so um when i was playing i didn't really think about it i just you know i wanted whatever i felt most comfortable with so i did that and uh now that i'm not really playing competitively the cost is definitely more of a factor and uh like I, i mentioned on uh our podcast the the new slr2 stick is uh basically a, a twin brother of the bauer except about 150 bucks cheaper so yeah uh that's what i've been rolling with i i get you with the the price point because when i was playing there were only wood sticks um and they were still about 50 bucks at the time which oh yeah to me as a high school kid was still a nice chunk of change and i had a bit of a temper uh <laughs> and I, w- I would break sticks over my knee and finally my dad told me if you break another stick out of anger i'm not buying you a new one yeah well sure enough the next game happens and i got angry and i broke a stick over my knee and then i'm just kind of standing there you know with my head down shoulders down while my teammates bring me a new stick and my grandpa who was a dutch immigrant didn't understand the game of hockey what one bit but he loved watching it and he liked coming to my games and he looked at my dad and he goes why why is he so upset you know is wasn't that bad of a goal he goes no he just realized he cost himself 50 bucks so I come walking out into the lobby after the game and my grandpa's still smiling and he hands me 50 bucks and I go what's this for he goes don't tell your dad just go get a new stick (laughs) that's awesome you know but yeah when I was in college we got um sticks three for 20 bucks you know which was a great deal yeah and um we had for goalie sticks, we had Christian sticks and uh, CCM, the Kolzig patterns in the the uh, deal. And so my senior year at the end of the season, I wanted to load up on a few sticks. So I was like, ah, three should get me through summer. And I went to the coach that handled all of that, had my 20 bucks. And he goes, ah, you're the only one using those Christians. Take whatever's left in there. So I got a half dozen for 20 bucks. And wow, God, that, that lasted me a couple of years. And yeah. That, that, that was, uh, I wish I could still get those deals. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't think those kids are down at, uh, St. Mary's are getting those deals with composite sticks or paint. No, they're, uh, they're a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. So what, what's your favorite youth hockey memory? 
Um, probably either, you know, skating on the pond is obviously, uh, like I said, my, when my family was out there, we'd go visit them and over Christmas and skate out on, on the lakes. And, um, I mean, that was just always unbelievable. You get the, the snowfall and it's just, you know, it's, it's a dream out there. It's, there's nothing, there's really nothing better than that. So, yep. um, probably just taking it back to the, the good old pond hockey days. I, I can't disagree there. I, I played in a, a tournament in January at a park here in the twin cities and it was outdoors and we had the snow falling and it, it was, it was uh Rockwellian as they would say. Um, now the, the next question is one that uh, I always chuckle to hear that the different stories, what's the best chirp you've heard on the ice in the locker room, you know, wherever, what's been the best one you've heard? Oh, I mean, to <laughs> me, the, the best chirp is usually just whatever gets under someone's skin. Yeah. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't know why but for some reason i've always had luck with just kind of saying completely just just dumb stuff at guys and all uh they battled. so to me it's it's the more than like how good the chirp actually was it's um, more how random it is and how it catches them off guard i agree yeah, with that i'm trying to th- like i think a big one i like i always like to use just because hockey guys get so rattled about equipment like i think the sport of hockey like you just care so much about your equipment so anytime yeah. you chirp a guy uh about like you know if you say like oh is that like a you get that stick at like play it again or something or yep you know, just anytime we, it's gear related people tend to blow a fuse in, in high school we had a uh, coach that for whatever reason not a lot of the players respected him but he had these old ccm plastic turbo skates so he was simply known as coach turbo and he absolutely hated it so, yeah but we could see how much it got under his skin that we used it even more and every once in a while one of the uh, other assistant coaches was a little bit younger and he would let the coach turbo slip out every now and then and it was just it was funny because it would it wasn't derogatory or mean in any way but it exactly. was just just enough Hilarious, to get though. under somebody's skin oh, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, uh, next question. I only have a few more. Don't worry. Uh, worst post-game beer you've had? It could be the situation. It could be the beer. It could be whatever. Uh, let's see. So there's a beer league in uh, – when I lived in Rhode Island, I played in over summer, and they have some weird craft beer there that all <laughs> the, the locals – loved it was it was like green green hornet or something i don't remember it was green something and it was the most disgusting tasting <laughs> beer and it like they had it cold they brought the coolers they'd get it like from uh from i don't even know where you bought it some brewery like they'd get it like fresh it wasn't like it was like expired or like left in the sun all day like it was they took care of it it was just yeah. the most disgusting just a terrible beer. and oh, they brought it every single week that's what they had it was it was brutal that's funny. That's funny. See, I'm kind of a craft beer guy, uh, so but I don't I don't mind when my teammates bring the cheap stuff. But uh, being a goalie, they they don't charge me to play on my beer league team yeah. because I'm reliable. So I try to bring beer on a 
fairly regular basis. So I, I try and bring something a little more quality than the Coors Light or the Bush yeah. Light that they typically bring. And there's a few of my teammates where when they see I, br- I brought beer, they kind of smile and go, all right, this, we're, we're going to have something good after the game. Oh, yeah. uh, one beer I wish we could get here, but we can't, but you can in Florida is the uh, Key West Lager from Florida Beer Company. That That's a great uh, yeah, I, post game, a- even summer beer. It's just, It's a good one. There's a lot of really good uh, kind of local loggers in Florida. I mean, I've there's a I don't know what it is, maybe the water or something down here, but uh, yep, I found a lot of craft beers that are really good. Yep, absolutely. Every time my mom and dad uh, they're in North Carolina these days, but whenever they head down to Florida, my dad stocks up on that stuff and brings yeah. as much back as he can. Um, so yeah, that that's a good one. I wish they. They shipped it outside of the state. Now, my, my next question is somewhat of a polarizing one amongst goalies. When you tape your stick, is it heel to toe or toe to heel? I've always done heel to toe. I, I mean, I've never really gotten into, you know, too much of the. I'm more. I'm more concerned with the tape aesthetically looking good. You know, I want the yeah. lines to be straight and it to to look good that way. I don't really care if it's toe to heel or heel to yep. toe but uh, i think muscle memory wise i just do heel to toe yeah i i think i start at the heel because if you're going to mess up the tape job that's where it's going to be and it's easier to take it off <laughs> yeah you know there, there's less to take off there than if you start the other way and then mess up and it's like ah crap now i gotta start over yeah. um what's your favorite number to wear when you're playing uh, i'm probably pretty biased just on I feel like whatever I play best in is my favorite number so uh I was fortunate I won uh in prep school we won like the national championship when I was there and I was number 30 so I've always liked that one a lot um and then obviously juniors I had had a lot of fun doing that but I don't I mean I I feel like I've worn so many numbers throughout the years and especially in 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 the junior age like you don't usually get to ask right number they give it to you (laughs) they just give it to you so um i really like obviously 32 just because of quick i I wore more when i was younger that number means a lot to me but um i've never really felt like i need to have a certain number to you know play yeah i'm with you it's not like the number on the back is going to affect my game it's just more of a that's my number type of deal yeah exactly yeah yeah, although I do hate when you get that number one on the back. It's just I know it's a goalie number from back in the day, and there was a reason goalies wore number one then. But uh, that that time has passed. I feel like I need something beefier yeah. on my back. And I've, yeah, I've never uh, I've never loved that one. But uh, like I said, in junior they kind of hand you whatever. And yep. one year I ended up getting number one, which I think at first I hated, but uh, I had a fun year and I. I feel like that kind of makes it a little bit better on what I think of the number one now. But um, I, I will say now that you kind of brought it up, like I love the fact that Vasilevsky and Carter Hart and those guys are really switching it up and kind of making it a little more exciting. Yeah, it is, you know, you start and see these different numbers and you're going, what the heck? And, you know, it's I think it's just the new, you know, way the game is going that uh what we think is traditional that they're just flipping it on the head and going it it doesn't have to be that way and it can still be fun 
Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So the, the last question I have is, uh, I, I think a good one to ask too, is what's the best advice you have for young goaltenders? Uh, you know, I think, I think the biggest thing is compete and have fun. And those really go hand in hand. The, the more you compete, the more you're going to have fun. Obviously, mm-hmm. anytime you make big saves and um, if, if you're stressing over all the little things, it's not, it's probably the worst position you could ever play if you stress over the little <laughs> things. I mean, you're going to end up just hating hockey with a passion. So uh, really just kind of, you know, especially at a younger age, relax, have fun, and and try to make the big saves, you know. And, and yep. uh, a big thing I see goalie coaching is our, our coach likes to do two-on-o drills sometimes. Mm-hmm. And uh, our goalies get – they always just get so mad. As soon as, soon as they, the drill starts and they get scored on, it's like, guys, like, you know – this is the card we're dealt where he's not going to change up the drill. We're going to do the drill. So right. just try to make some saves, you know, they're supposed to score every single time they come down. So if you make one save in it, that's awesome. Just, you know, work on it. Cause guess what? In a game, if a two on O comes on you, you have to take it. You know, there's not, yeah. a, there's not an option. So you might as well just have fun with it and whatever the game throws at you, whether it's some games are going to go better than others, obviously. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Kyle, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Uh, it's been fun talking. And, uh, you know, where, where can folks find you on social media so they can keep following you? Yeah, so uh, mainly on Instagram is where I post most of the stuff. Uh, it's New Jax Airbrush, so N-U-J, N-U-J-A-X. And um, also online, uh, I have a link in the bio too. So yeah. if people want to check it out, feel free. Uh, it's definitely uh, – a good time to get it painted before the season still. So <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and I'll, I'll definitely put links in the show notes as well as to links to between two posts to get people listening there. Awesome. Yeah. So, thank you so much. Thank you. What a great conversation that was with Kyle. It's always fun to talk to mask painters about the designs we're seeing today, but more importantly, fun to talk to other goalies about the game we love. Be sure to follow Kyle on Instagram at New Jacks Airbrush. That's N-U-J-A-X Airbrush. I'll also have links to his social and website in the show notes, as well as links to the Between Two Posts podcast so you can give them a listen. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Simply search for Washed Up Goalie and I'll pop up. Visit washedupgoalie.com for some great hockey-related content, my beer league hockey highlights, and all podcast episodes. I need to give a big thank you to the great band, The Zambonis, for allowing me to use their music on my podcast. You can download their music on iTunes, listen to them on Amazon Music, or wherever you stream your music from. Where it is, they're working on a new album, so I'm excited to hear the new hockey songs they have coming our way. I'm working on lining up other goalies to talk to. If you're a goalie or have a connection to a goalie who I should talk to, shoot me an email at washedupgoalie.com. 39 at gmail.com or send me a dm on social media let's not forget if you're a brand who wants to sponsor the show be sure to reach out to me i'll be happy to talk and finally if you like what you hear be sure to subscribe rate and comment on the podcast platform you're listening on it's a quick action on your part that helps others find tendy talk until next time keep your stick on the ice and your body square to the puck